It's Isaiah um, chapter 8, verses 19 to 22, and then Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instructions and testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to his word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged and looking upwards will, will, curse, will curse their king and their God. Then they will look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in the darkness have seen a great green light, a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light was dawned, has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoiced before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the days, for as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Even warrior's, boot, even warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For, for, us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that, from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty God will accomplish this. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Uh, do keep that uh, passage open. Let me pray as we come to explore those great words, a part of them anyway, at least, this morning. Father, we thank you for the message of these verses, and especially the person uh, to whom they point us. Thank you uh, that in Jesus you are able to meet us in the, in the reality of our lives and in the darkness and bring light and hope. Help us to glimpse something of that brilliance and loveliness of Jesus, we pray this morning, uh, for his name's sake. Amen. Well, uh, just uh, last Thursday morning, uh, just over a dozen uh, of us blokes set off in the early morning uh, for an early morning walk to welcome the dawn. Uh, and 6 a.m., it's pretty dark. Uh, and, and given the conditions underfoot, I was very glad of my little headlights. Um, but to be honest, even without the torch... Uh, uh, there was just enough light uh, to make out uh, things and stay on the path and not end up in a big ditch. Um, but proper darkness, that's something very different, isn't it? 
I was thinking just this week of those 41 trapped uh, Indian miners in that collapsed tunnel for over uh, two weeks, uh, huddled together in the blackness. I guess the torches, their, their mobile phone batteries dying. Very uncertain, I guess, of whether help would come. And then came that glorious moment, that first glimpse of, of light uh, breaking through the darkness, um, a light that brought hope. Uh, from thinking the unthinkable, maybe, uh, those miners can then start to think about daylight, fresh air, uh, embracing loved ones, uh, and getting home. Well, the second half of that reading contains some of the most famous words in Isaiah that many churches will be thinking about over these next few days. Uh, wonderful words that point, don't they, to this kind of dawning of a light, a great light, uh, one that changes everything. And before I'm finished, I hope we will grasp what this light is um, and why it brings such joy. But did you notice, as the prophet Isaiah anticipates the coming of that light, I wonder if, like me, you were struck by those images he uses to express the joy that light brings in verses 3 to 5 of chapter 9. Firstly, he compares, isn't he, uh, to the arrival of harvest which in Isaiah's day was quite literally uh, the guarantee of life over the certainty of death. And then he compares it to that kind of joy that war-weary soldiers experience as they savour an unexpected and glorious victory that results in the sort of celebration that brings people into the streets to dance and sing. Just earlier this month, I was chatting to a Ukrainian friend who spoke of the great longing for the day uh, when the yoke of occupation um, is finally shattered in his country, uh, when soldiers' uniforms can be discarded and weapons decommissioned, and when he finally can return home. So I wonder this morning whether Christmas for you contains that kind of joy, that level and scale of wonder and excitement, whether we've discovered that the coming of Jesus is indeed great news or good news of great joy. Perhaps this year you come to Christmas full of high hopes, hopes that you will finally nail Christmas with that perfect performance. Uh, but deep down, maybe too, we're anxious, uh, resigned perhaps to the possibility uh, that the festive cheer might not quite live up to our high expectations. But thankfully, I think Isaiah is pointing us uh, to a far greater joy than producing uh, the perfect Christmas dinner or getting through a whole day without somehow um, rowing with family. But for us to appreciate the lights and, and the joy that Isaiah points to, uh, he wants us, I think, first to acknowledge and even to feel the darkness uh, into which that light comes. Let's think first about uh, the darkness. Well, Isaiah was writing about 700 years before that first Christmas, and he's describing, isn't he, real darkness a situation of gloom, of people living in a land gripped in what he calls deep darkness. And if we were to go back just a few verses before our reading, you would have heard Isaiah speaking God's words of warning to his people, of a great army massing of the unimaginable horror of being overrun by the war machine of the Assyrians, a ruthless superpower. And God was very clear, their arrival would spell destruction and devastation. It would bring a dreadful 
darkness that few would survive. Well, here in Isaiah 8, even before that promised day arrived, we feel, don't we, I think something of its shadow. We sense uh, that gloom and foreboding that must have settled on Isaiah's first hearers. And, and here's the tragedy of the situation, that the darkness and distress coming on God's people uh, was a tragedy of their own making. As the people in Isaiah's day uh, deliberately turned their backs on God, who is the light, and rejected the words of God, which are a lamp to lead us and a light to direct us. And did you notice, rather than acknowledging what they had done and turning back to God, they had instead uh, stubbornly turned to the dark. At the start of our reading, verse 19, we read of people turning to, to mediums, to the occult, looking anywhere and everywhere for light and illumination, except to God himself. And Isaiah states the obvious, uh, turning towards the dark for light will only deepen that darkness. And ominously, at the end of chapter 8, Isaiah warns of utter darkness, that deepest darkness that culminates in judgment, judgment that God had patiently warned his people about again and again, but warnings that they had persistently ignored. Well, Isaiah was writing centuries before Jesus, but I wonder if the words he, he uses describes the kind of darkness that we know to some degree. Isaiah speaks of people walking in darkness. Don't we feel something of that darkness today? We live them in a world uh, in crisis, a world facing huge challenges and threats, but a world full of people, of leaders who seem disorientated, who are trying to navigate through the darkness, but are convinced they can do that by ignoring the light, the wisdom of God's words. And with no landmarks or fixed points to orientate ourselves, we only find ourselves in deepening darkness. Just as we came across a quotation written by a confessed atheist, I think that captures something of that darkness. And I was struck by just his honesty as he writes these words. We're all... Uh, desperately fragile, he says, ill-equipped to meet with the challenges. We lack courage, uh, preparation, confidence. We don't have the right role models. We were necessarily imperfectly parented. We fight rather than explain. We nag rather than teach. We have a precarious sense of security and identity. We can't understand either ourselves or others. We don't have an appetite for the truth, and we suffer a fatal weakness for denying the truth. And he concludes, the chances of good emerging from that perilous fact of life are non-existent. Well, you might say, well, that's pretty dark, isn't it? But deep down, what I think he says resonates as he describes a state of darkness that echoes what's described in Isaiah, what we also find in our world. The truth is, when we try and live without God, without the light of his word, we find ourselves don't we, stumbling around in the dark, perhaps looking for our own light, but only becoming more confused and disorientated. Reminds me, earlier this summer, um, on holiday, I woke up in an unfamiliar bed in the pitch black, desperately thirsty and looking for the sink. I was convinced I knew where the light was, or at least where it ought to have been. And I remember sort of stumbling around and getting increasingly confused and cross. And that's how many of us are. I was listening to Stephen Fry just recently, venting his anger and frustration against a God he claims not to believe in. And that's the picture of Isaiah here in verse 21. People convinced they know where the light is, 
They've already made up their minds. They don't need the light that comes from God. And they crash around, getting more and more angry and frustrated in the dark. Well, I wonder whether we are willing to admit that reality of darkness, um, like that guy in that quote earlier. Uh, willing to admit there's darkness just out there. But also because, in a large part, that darkness reflects the darkness in here. But the world isn't the way it should be because I'm not the way I should be. But the world is dark because I'm in the dark and there's darkness in me. Well, Isaiah's message this morning is that if we will but recognize that reality, if the truth of Isaiah's diagnosis resonates with us at all, then there is hope for us. The promise of light to, to stir hope. A breaking of a dawn that promises joy. And did you notice uh, chapter 9 begins, doesn't it, by describing how in the very place where it seems the darkness is deepest, that is where the light will come. The epicenter of God's judgment, those northern tribes of Israel around Galilee, which experienced the full force of Assyria's attacks, becomes the very place from which this hope will spring. And then we read these wonderful words, don't we, in verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Uh, not the light of fantasy, um, the claims that gloom can be lifted by turning on the fairy lights or putting on a jolly Christmas jumper, but a, a great light, one that continues to shine 2,000 years after it first appeared and still gives light and hope even in the darkest of places. Well, Isaiah says, a great light has dawned. But did you notice how this light comes? He claims it comes in the arrival of a baby. Verse 6, for to us a child is born, a son is given. How extraordinary that the birth of a baby should make that kind of difference. Perhaps Isaiah's first hearers remains unconvinced and dismissive, but already in this prophecy, Isaiah has hinted um, that the arrival of this child will be indeed a game changer. A virgin will conceive, declares Isaiah a couple of chapters earlier. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And now in our verses this morning, Isaiah gives us a tantalizing glimpse, doesn't he, of this child, a glorious trailer, if you like, a taste of what he will be like and how he will operate. That begins to, to show us why he really is um, that light we desperately need, that dawn that we are, are waiting for that can lift the gloom. And now as we briefly explore just these four names given to this child, uh, these titles conferred on him, I hope we'll see why he is uh, the one whose coming spells uh, the end to the darkness, whose arrival is the arrival of hope. Let me read from verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Well, according to Isaiah, this child is set to, to rule. The job of government is going to be firmly resting on his shoulders. But did you notice, it's, it's the kind of leader, isn't it? 
that he will be that's so surprising, that gets our hearts uh, racing, that stirs hope even in the, in the hearts of the cynical and makes us long, doesn't it, for this kind of leadership that can lead us out of the darkness. So first, this child will be called Wonderful Counselor. And the word wonderful in the Bible uh, carries that idea of someone who instills awe, um, someone supernatural or divine. And so Isaiah is pointing us to a child who will bring the wisdom of God to those who are confused, those who are disorientated and in the dark. Well, if the places we've looked for light have only compounded our darkness, then isn't someone who embodies God's wisdom the promise and provision of light? Isn't he the one who can bring the light and clarity of God's truth to bear on our lives? I think it's very striking that God's wisdom doesn't come first and foremost in a book or via some set of instructions, but it comes, doesn't it, in a person. Someone that the more we get to know, the more he will light up our lives. A relationship that offers to dispel our darkness. But second, notice too, he is a mighty God. As I mentioned earlier, the immediate darkness Isaiah was pointing to uh, would come in the arrival of that Assyrian army, a, a mighty power, one that was so great that no uh, people could stand against it. I don't know about you, but the longer I live, uh, the more I feel my own powerlessness. I can't keep my children from pain, um, let alone solve the problems of the Middle East or rid the world of evil and suffering. But this coming child will have all the power of God at his disposal. Well, we might not be threatened by a great army camping on our borders, uh, but don't we have our own enemies that we are powerless uh, to defeat, that cast a shadow over our own lives? Not least that enemy of, of death, which we are powerless to evade or resist. Of course, if, if Isaiah is right, the deepest darkness we face is that darkness of God's own judgments for turning away from the light. And just for those Isaiah is addressing, that darkness is the darkness we most need to be delivered from. But this child, says Isaiah, is going to be more than none other than mighty God because he comes with that power to deliver us and to overthrow all our enemies. His light's going to be so powerful that it can even dispel the darkness of God's judgment that hangs over us. Well, as we glimpse at the coming of this light, I hope it thrills our hearts. Just as those first glimpses of light would have thrilled the hearts of those miners in the gloom in that tunnel. Then third, he will be called Everlasting Father. It sounds odd, doesn't it, that Isaiah would call this child that we will know as the Son of God, Everlasting Father. But this is not because Isaiah is confused. You know, it's through this child that God will display his perfectly good fatherly love and compassion for all those who come under the leadership of this child. This week I was thinking, isn't part of the darkness we sometimes experience and most fear, that darkness of, of loneliness and, and isolation? Of course, that's what darkness does, isn't it? It, it disconnects us and leaves us feeling alone. 
And often it's our own selfishness and sin that separates us and isolates us from others and, of course, from God. But here Isaiah points us to someone who comes with all of God's power, but also with all of God's compassion, not coming to throw his weight around, but instead to throw his arms around us as he deals with our own mess and darkness. Of course, human fathers are the very, do, I think, their very best to show that kind of love and care, but very imperfectly. But this child will bring that kind of fatherly care that deep down we long to know that never fades or falters or ends. Perhaps you're a young person here, and maybe you find that you are hoping to encounter the one, that person who we will love and who will love us and keep loving us for the long haul. I can still remember the very choppy waters of being a teenager and into my early 20s, feeling that, that pressure of peers to be with someone, uh, to be experiencing that thrill of, of being loved and, and loving. And sometimes it seemed that the best way to be liked was to try and be likable, to keep out of view the, the less attractive things, the darkness that I knew existed in me. But do you see, here's the one who comes to offer us this loving relationship, but he's under no illusions about the darkness inside us. Indeed, uh, nothing is hidden, is it, from his searching light. So here is the relationship on which I can build my life and find my identity, on which I can place all my hopes and dreams, confident that his faithful love and commitments will never end. I know some here this morning uh, will find Christmas a difficult time because they're very conscious of those relationships that have disappointed or those precious ones that have come to an end. And that pain and disappointment can sometimes leave us feeling us very uh, isolated and alone. But this child will be known and experienced as everlasting father because of his commitment and never-ending love uh, for us. And then fourth, he will be called uh, Prince of Peace. Well, I imagine for many of us this Christmas, we are longing for peace. Uh, peace from the demands of perhaps a very busy work schedule. Peace within our families. Uh, maybe a deeper peace to deal with that sort of inner restlessness and emptiness that we carry around with us like a deep ache. But I think this child can make a difference in all these places where we long to know peace. But first and foremost, this child is the one who brings a, a desperately needed peace between us and God. Remember how the darkness and restlessness Isaiah describes as a result of people turning away from God, ignoring the one who cared for them and provided for them. And turning away from God, of course, put them on a collision course with him and with his judgment. But here's the child, isn't it, that is the peace bringer, the, the peace restorer the one who can establish a peace between us and God, the one who uh, can restore that relationship uh, that we were made for. And perhaps the most remarkable thing about this child, this Christmas gift from God, is that uh, to bring us that peace, he would willingly choose to experience the utter darkness of the cross, that he might secure that peace and bring us uh, into his light. Well, many this Christmas will stumble over the idea that a child, a baby, could be all this, could do all this. 
the divine counselor bringing divine wisdom who comes only able to coo and cry. The mighty God who comes uh, too weak to support his own head. Uh, the one bringing God's fatherly care who needs care 24-7. The great uh, peace bringer who's coming no doubt shattered the peace of his parents for many months. Well, I wonder whether, like the first shepherds, if we had a glimpse of that child in a manger, we would have grasped that he is the one to bring an end to our darkness, that his arrival was the breaking of uh, the dawn. Well, we have to read on from these accounts of his coming and meet the man this child will become. We need to listen to uh, the words, the words of wisdom he spoke that both thrilled and floored the crowds that shed light on the big questions, not least what God is really like. We need to feel the, and see the miraculous power he displayed as he overpowered those enemies that we are powerless to defeat sickness, sadness, sin, death. And we need to glimpse the astonishing care and compassion that he showed, uh, the love that he poured that touched the broken and embraced uh, the sinner, a love that would take him to the cross, where on the, the darkest day he would carry our sin and darkness for us. Well, no wonder so many down the ages have been captivated uh, by the one who called himself the light of the world. No wonder many have embraced that light and become part of his kingdom and joyfully submitted to his leadership, convinced that of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end, confident that there's a day coming when his rule will dispel the last remaining vestiges of the darkness that we have known and see in our world. So how will you respond to the coming of the light of Jesus at that first Christmas? It was wonderful to experience the breaking of dawn as we walked that, third, that Friday morning, uh, rejoicing in the rising of the sun and being able to walk in its growing light. But the image that struck me this week was those miners uh, rejoicing uh, in the light that changed their reality, that gave them patience and endurance, knowing that rescue was coming, uh, that filled them with hope, hope at the end, of the end of darkness and of a new day. Well, as we remember the coming of uh, that light in Jesus this Christmas, let's welcome him. Let's strain to glimpse more of his brilliance and beauty as we wait for that promised future day, when there will be no more darkness, no death, mourning, crying, or pain. What a great day. A great day that will be. Let's pray. Father, we praise you that on that first Christmas, the true light that gives light to everyone came into our world. Help us even today to receive uh, Jesus and to rejoice in and walk in uh, his light. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.